Welcome to Miracles in Recovery with Ray Lynch. If you are one of the millions of people facing addiction issues or the loved one of someone who is, we're here to help and to discuss solutions. Hope is in your corner. Now, here's your host, Ray Lynch. Good evening and welcome to Miracles in Recovery. It is January 29th, I think it is. January 29th. We're we're actually moving along. We've already we've already buzzed through one month of 2018. And I haven't really made the mistake of writing 2017 on a check yet. So I guess I'm uh, I guess I'm okay. <laughs> I'm in the studio by myself tonight. Alan is on the line. Hi Alan, how are you? I'm I'm good. All right, so you know, I t- I took this article out of the uh, Star News, whichever whichever newspaper that is. I was going through my Google um, things, and it the title is "Man Writes Play to Cope with Son's Death from Heroin." Ken Vest's play "Inside Job" opens January 11th at the Cape Fear Playhouse. Ken Vest has had enough. Ha- had to live through something most could not imagine, the loss of a child. Sadly, more uh, parents are waking up to that um, than not in today's world with all of the addiction and with all of the loss that we're we're losing people left and right. They say, you know, they have a specific number, 93 a day, 144 a day, or however many that is. I think that number is very downplayed. I think we're losing quite a few people a day and you know that means losing parents children sisters brothers sons daughters we're we're, we're losing generations of people through the uh, the use and abuse of illicit and prescription drugs and and it's and it's sad it's a sad reality so i guess how this gentleman has coped with it is he wrote a play um Oh, and, and he says that uh, in 2012, his Jesse, a musician, died of a heroin overdose while living in Francisco. He says, I'm a reporter at heart. And when Jesse died, there was a rush of so many things coming at us, started writing them down. So I guess, you know, being a reporter, that was the normal thing to do. You know, like being, a say, maybe a newspaper reporter or a journalist or something like that, I guess your common thought would be to write things down. With Inside Job, the title came from a conversation Vest had a friend who had gone through treatment, who told him that healing from addiction must come from the inside out, which is very true. I mean, because when I got clean, February 28th, 1989, which may seem like eternity um, ago, I, I, you know, being an addict, it's still a good day to die. So that tells you right after twenty, almost twenty nine years clean, that I, I'm saying it's it's still a good uh, day to get high. You know, so I understand where where this gentleman says uh, it's an inside job. Being an inside job is is you need to work on what's going on within you. You can't just buy a new pair of sneakers and new clothes and think that everything's going to be okay. If you don't change the individual that came in the door out of the cold, then that individual will run back right again. It'll run back out and do whatever it was that they did before 
they were taken out of the storm. And so I totally get the inside job, and I think that that's, a, that's an excellent title for it. Ellen, are you back with us? I am on the phone. Can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you now. Okay, perfect. Okay, so have you heard what I said? Because I lost you there for a quick second. Yes, I've, I've heard everything you said, and I was interested because in our local paper, and I think it was a Sunday story, there was a physician in Kentucky, and he was a pain management specialist, and he lost his son in 2011 to an overdose. He actually tried to resuscitate him, and it was too late. So he is now devoting his life to helping people, you know, who are in this situation, you know. And, and, and what is it? What is it that he's? What is it that he's doing? Is he reaching out treatment-wise, or is he treatment-wise? Um, um, he he is trying to find other ways to help people manage chronic pain, you know, other and, than opioids. You know, he he spent a lot of time studying opioids and their the way that people react to them, and the fact that. Basically, Purdue Pharma is the company that unleashed this on the world. Right. And, you know, now we're in this situation. And I actually read something else that said, from a government official who said it's 150 people a day. And that, that oh, was yeah. The no, that's why, I didn't, that's why I didn't say a number, because every single day, a number seems to grow. I've heard upwards of 174 people a day. So, I mean, it, it's many, many, many people a day we are losing. And, and I think this, that's just a national statistic. It's not a national statistic. So, everyone who's listening to us in, you know, the other countries... They can throw their numbers in there as well, and I, I guarantee it's it's well over five hundred people a day. Oh yeah, and and they said this person actually said if that was a Boeing seven forty seven, and it had crashed, and you had you know three crashes in three days, and all all this many people had died. Think of the uproar and outcry that I would know. that would be out there. You know, they would fix the plane, fix the system. And nothing like that has happened. There's been a lot of discussion about what to do, but nobody's really stepping up to the plate and doing anything definitive. You know, we're still no, trying to arrest our way out of it. Right. And, and sadly, the, the uh, you know, sadly, because that's what it is, it's, it's an individual, at, at that point, it's not a, a group of people. Like a like say a plane or a bus or something like that 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 ultimately is no longer it is five hundred individual people, so that's where you know that's where I think a lot of the uh, misnomer or the or the misconception of you know we need to help these people get away because like you said, if there were three planes in three days or three planes in one day, they would absolutely the next day be on top of whatever it is that they thought was going on. And when there's, you know, 200 to 500 people dying worldwide, they seem to look at them as individual cases. They don't look at that as a whole. I think that's where a lot of them drag their feet. Well, yeah, and we're, we're now in a pandemic. You know, it's, it's all over the world, and there is still not enough being done, in my opinion. 
you know, there there are the jails are full. There in the U.S. particularly, it's very difficult to get treatment unless you have really good insurance. There's a lot of scamming, you know, as we've discussed a lot. There's mm-hmm. a lot of scamming going on in the rehab industry. We have no treatment protocols that are proven to work, and basically, twelve-step programs are still lauded as the only solution. And we know for a lot of people they don't work. So where do we go from here? I think that's the question everyone should be asking. And should the government get involved? You know, we didn't quite declare a state of emergency. If we had, there would have been money freed up for treatment and things like that. But it would have. It, it, it was. There was no good early direction for that money to be freed up anyway. There's nothing in place. If like when we have a storm down here and the governor, uh, you know, declares a state of emergency, they know exactly what to do. They have all of that stuff ready to go and ready to attack whatever it is that you know. Like when they went down to Key West, or they went down to the Keys right. and, and tried straightening that out. Um, with this, if if the president declared a, 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 a nation of emergency, or even if, like when Governor Scott declared a state of emergency with uh, with it down here, nothing is put into nothing action really because happens. nobody That's true. nobody has a plan. Well, There's one no of the plan. things that I think they ought to, and I, I think people are starting to look at, is the medication-assisted treatment, such as you know, let's rev up the, and, and, and it's controversial, but let's rev up the uh, Suboxone therapy and let's subsidize it so that it becomes affordable because if you don't have insurance, it's going to be four or $500 a month and most people cannot afford that. Plus, you've got to pay the doctor. But, but things like right. that, programs like that that have been proven effective are kind of um, falling by the wayside because of the expense. And I think, you know, expense treatment of any kind is very, very expensive, and I think that's where people. Well, it, but get it shouldn't be because up. because you know uh, the, the, you know they say treatment is expensive and people get it for free. You know what I mean? So there needs to be some kind of uh, value point put on that in the sense of you know these big these big companies are making silly money off these insurance companies who are gouging the individuals paying. Um, where I know plenty of people who have put it down, walked away, and never looked back. So one, they're ahead of the game, you know, because because it didn't cost them anything. It doesn't cost me anything to stay clean today. It cost me absolutely right. nothing. So why cost me at the beginning? try to venture into finding out if this is something that I want to do or if this is something that I just want to wither away and die and, and, and you know, go through the pains of, of active addiction for the rest of my life, how, however should they may So when they put it, when they put a, a monetary value of thirty to $45,000 a month, that's, that's just gross. And, yeah, I agree. You know, I mean, you're talking about somebody's life, and if, if they had cancer, diabetes, you know, a, a host of other diseases that can be caused by, you know, things that you do to yourself, like mm-hmm. overeating, um, smoking, things like that. Um, we still pay for those things, and we feel really bad for the people, but we don't feel bad for addicts. We shame them, and that's, I think that's part of the problem is the nature of the disease makes people behave badly. 
So there's a right. huge stigma and, attached to it, and taxpayers don't want to come off of, off of any money to pay for it. And but it, what and they don't realize blows. is that they're spending more in the long run. Right. You know, it you, still you blows my mind when... Law enforcement, you've got to subsidize the hospitals because they're treating people in the emergency rooms that don't have any money. And an ER visit is easily, you know, many thousands of dollars. So I think we're, we're looking at it upside down. Or, or we're not looking at, yeah, well, I don't know if we're looking at it upside down because they're looking, they're looking at the value point. They're looking at the monetary value. So, so it's not like they're looking at it upside down. They're looking at, at what can this individual coming into my facility. And I don't know why we always get back to this conversation, but it is always about the money. Sadly, um, people are getting for free there are there are recovery groups there are programs there are people who just stop um and, and never look back they get it for free and i think with particularly with opioids the withdrawal and you know correct me if i'm wrong but but you guys fear the withdrawal to the point that you'll do almost anything to get the drug so you don't have to feel that bad yeah no that's true but but Three quarters of the time, we're in withdrawal way. So that's that's the crazy thing about it. Well, true. You know, I, I ran, you know, I ran around. Had... I, Go ahead. I ran around sick the whole time. So I just know that the the fear of being sick is what seems to keep a lot of people sick. I don't know. Oh yeah, no, no, exactly, exactly. Um, and that's the thing that it, it that's the that's the vicious cycle. So so an individual who says, hey, uh, you know, I know because I have been there, I can capitalize on just that fear, the fear of being sick. I can capitalize that and I'll open the doors to this um, Valhalla recovery and and I'll just spin spin wash people through it, and they'll be back, and they'll be back, and I'll soak I'll soak companies, and 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 I'll become a multimillionaire, while that number grows from five hundred to seven hundred a day. Makes no right. sense. It really doesn't. And you know we've had methadone treatment for a long time, but I think that the way that it's administered makes it difficult for people because you have to go every day to get your dose. And it's in, you know, I know. sometimes no, no. it's in a no, no. This, lousy this. part of town or it's very far away. And that, you know, how do you go to work when you got to drive somewhere to get your methadone? No, there's, uh, there's programs where, and, and almost every program has a, um, you, be, you, you get on like an honor-based uh situation where you get to take a week's a week's worth home right. they give you a lockbox and so you know you, you have to show up once or twice a week you go to counseling and you do this and you do that you know you know i mean granted it's still liquid handcuffs because you can't go on vacation because anything over four or five days and you're out of medication and you're you're robbing a you're robbing a pharmacy in in costa rica but um yeah you know <laughs> I, I, I get it because I've I've played that game where I've had to go down there every single day and I and I've gotten some to take home and, and um you know, right, wrong or indifferent, that is one of the things that help prolong active addiction because you you're substituting one chemical for another. 
but you can function, you can live a you know, relatively normal life. And That's arguable. Those have been stigmatized as well. And, you know, I'm in a lot of mom groups, and I see a lot of moms saying, I've got my kid back. And it's because they're on methadone, or they're on Suboxone, or they got the Vivitrol shot. Um, you know, they may yeah, I don't, not I don't necessarily measures, know. I don't necessarily know if they have their kid back at that point. I mean, they, the kid's not the kid's not acting out on the same behavior that they were because they're a little bit subdued with the medication they received. Um, it's well, not. Well, they don't have a needle in their arm. They're not getting arrested. They're not homeless. You know, they're they're working. If they've got kids, you know, a lot of times they're taking care of their kids. So I, I think. I think you those will. types of things need to be looked at because they do save lives. And, and you know, maybe eventually right. you can get off of that as well. There should be a plan for that. But if it's working, let's start somewhere. No, that's true. And with that, we are going to go to break. Uh, please dial 866-472-5792. It's 866-472-5792. We'll be back in a moment. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Healthcare has been a major part of news stories today, with one thing that has been consistent inconsistency. Both healthcare providers and patients have to work around and get used to a constantly changing set of rules and issues. Nurses have historically been left out of this decision making. Listen to Once a Nurse, Always a Nurse, exploring the world of nursing with host Leanne Meyer. Health professionals, we invite you to share your ideas and experiences while listening to experts in various areas of nursing. Listen Mondays at 1 p.m. Eastern, 10 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Health and Wellness. Like many of us, do you feel constantly tired or run down? Weight gain, sugar addiction, stress, and other health issues wear down our bodies and our spirit. You can take control of these and get yourself back on track. Tune into Living Life Naturally with host Lynn Wadsworth. Lynn can help you lower or get rid of migraines, help you maintain a healthy weight, deal with hormone imbalances, and more. Listen live every Friday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. There is a difference in health and wellness programs. There can be mainstream programs, and then there is something extra. That something extra is called tips to keep you healthy, happy, and motivated with your host, Kristen Harper. If you want to hear some behind-the-scenes talk radio when it comes to health and wellness, the why as well as the how, be sure to tune in each week. This show will inspire you to be healthy and happy for life, as well as become the best version of yourself. Listen Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time, on Voice America Health & Wellness. You probably don't spend too much time talking about that place down there. Why not? There's now a show where that's mostly what we talk about and so much more. It's the Womb Happy Hour with host Lorraine Giordano. It's all about your body and the magical power you possess. Guys, you might want to tune in too. There's no reason to be squeamish. Listen for the Womb Happy Hour, broadcasting live every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time and 3 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Step into a healthier you. Voice America Health and Wellness.
You are listening to Miracles in Recovery. To reach the program today, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to ray at miraclesinrecovery.org. Now, back to this week's show. Hey, welcome back to Miracles in Recovery. Uh, we were talking before the break about, as usual, the, mo- the monetary um, misconceptions of recovery. And, you know, I, 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 we always go back to, you know, the, the, the value point of how much it costs to get clean versus um, getting it for free. Um, I, I don't know, you know, countless amounts of money, and I'm sure Ellen, Ellen's insurance companies have spent them up. Um, and it's, it's, it's all, it all comes down to the individual's desire to stop. It's the individual's saturation point. So you can throw a million dollars at somebody in active addiction and... That may not be enough. So when we, you know, when we say that we, you know, we don't have all the answers and, you know, when people are ready, we need to get behind them and all of that. I don't know how many times I said I was ready and then two days later I wasn't. So well, I, I think really you were ready to, at the time, though. Uh, at that moment, uh, well, I, something inside me told me I was ready. So if at that point we had the ability to be able to get me somewhere Maybe two days later, I wouldn't have had a change of heart. You know what I mean? Like when I was on the methadone clinic there for a little while, um, they told me to come back in two weeks. And I said, well, what do I do until then? And they said, doing what you're doing today. I said, well, I may not be alive in two weeks. And they said, well, that's what we can do and that's how we go. So I, I, you I might get be that. in jail in two weeks. You know that's crazy to tell. You, know, you yeah. have to, you have to be able to snap an addict up at the moment when they say they're ready. Right, but, that, but see, that's where the that's where the cost point comes in. Nobody's going to do that for free because we've bred it into these facilities to put a cost value on it. When when I was right. when I was getting when I was getting clean. Um, it didn't cost as much, and I wonder why. Because nobody was aware of what they could charge or what they could get away with, and what the insurance companies had the willingness to pay. Um, and and now it's way out of control. I mean, even with even with urine drug screening. I mean, I that I I, I had that uh, uh, I did that in my profession for twelve years, twelve thirteen years, and looking at the billing. Um, it's gross. Oh, it's, yeah, gross. it's crazy. I've, I've seen moms saying that they were billed, you know, $20,000. And it probably cost, you know, maybe twenty for all of the yeah. testing. You know, it was it, it's nothing. But, you know, they're testing people three, four, five times a week and, you know, charging hundreds of dollars per test. It's crazy. I think that yes. practice is kind of going by the wayside because it, it was called out pretty quickly because what happened was they would balance bill, you know, the insurance company would say, no, I'm not going to pay it. And then they balance bill the family. And what are you going to do? You don't have to pay it, but yeah, no, I, I got you. 
I get it. You know, um, that, that that's the that's the absurdity of um, of addiction because you know the, these you know like you you or, or my family were were at a hyper sensitive uh, place when I was when I when I was put into treatment. And then they called two days later and said, well, you know, we need you to put uh, $20,000 into this account so that Ray yep. can stay for four more days. And, and they would do all that they could to do that. And, and, and well, that, and that's the, what I thought initially was rehab was going was gonna to be the answer. This is going to fix her. I'll send her there for four weeks. Right. They'll take care of her, mm-hmm. dust her off, and she'll be fine. Uh, you know, to me, and, and I'm in healthcare, and I had worked in psych hospitals, and I still had that feeling that this was going to be the be-all, end-all cure. And I learned the hard way after many, many, many of these and many, many, many thousands of dollars, you know, that we paid in addition to the hundreds of thousands that the insurance companies paid, that that, that wasn't the answer. And, and I think the point that you brought up earlier is a good one. Until the addict is ready... Nothing mm-hmm. is going to work. Millions of dollars. No, can absolutely spend. nothing. Yeah, you, and and it's not going to do any dollars. good. Um, and and well, that's where I, I don't I don't know if it doesn't do any good. I think I think every time that an addict experiences something other than what they are doing today to survive, I think there's something you know, like they say, you know, that 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 proverbial seed is planted. Um, right. So I I think that it slowly gets you. I think it takes less and less time. There's less and less of a span of reaching out for help. The more the more you go through, because I think what happens is, and and, and one of the things was for me, I got tired of running that circle. I got I got I got oversaturated with running that game of. Um, okay, now I can run for 30 more days, now I can run for 60 more days, and it went down to 59 and then 47, and ultimately I, I threw my hands up and said, enough is enough, I can't do this anymore. And I think, sadly, that's not happening for a lot of people now because the drugs are so strong. Yeah. You know, people are, are dying a lot faster because the drugs are so strong. And, and you know, it's it's all part of the, you know, somebody's making money somehow. But, you know, you always say you had to get out of your own way. And I've always wondered what that really means because I don't get it. Well, I, uh, How I do you get out of your own way? What did, what did you do? Um, well, I, I don't. What I mean was, is that you know, my thought process, my my best thinking, got me to a park bench six blocks down the street from my house, homeless, helpless, and loveless. That's where my best thinking got me. So, you know, I had to stop. I had to get out of my own thought process because my my thought process at that point was so diseased and so stained that. Anything and everything that was worse than thought that I had, I mean, worse than the positive thought that it could have been from it, was where I was. So I had I had to get out of my own way and allow a process of positivity to guide me in my 
quest. So, um, you know, when I say get out of my own way, I say that like very, very quickly. And, um, you know, because I understand it, and I think people that are addicts probably understand it as well. Somebody who isn't an addict doesn't know, get out of their own way. My, my worst enemy was, was my thinking, because I thought that I was going to be okay doing what I was doing and keep doing it. I told you a couple of weeks ago I was going to be an 80-year-old guy smoking weed out on a lawn chair, you know? <laughs> yeah, unimaginable. But I, you know, I've heard you say that a lot, and what it sounds to me like is you were, you became willing to almost take direction from other people who had walked in your footsteps ahead of you, and then they turned right. around and said, "I can help you, but you've got to do what I say." And you know, those were the people in the twelve-step programs that that reached out and basically said, if you want what I have, you got to do what I do. And at that point, you were willing to do it. And I think, to me, that... Well, no, like no, see, that's what, you're that's, willing that's to what listen I'm saying. To somebody else. No, that's what I'm saying. I wasn't willing to do it. So that's why I had to get out of my own way. You know what I mean? Okay. Like I, I've said countless times, for the longest time when I first got clean, I didn't know if I wanted to stay clean. I still thought that getting high was okay. So, in order to get out of my own way, to get out of my own thought process, was not to think that thought, even though it was prevalently there. Um, that was that was the first reaction. Oh, I didn't like the I don't like the way that uh, you know somebody said something to me. Well, I'll just go get high. Today, I don't think that there's a different there's a different there's a different thought process. But at the beginning, I my my. My thoughts and actions would have gotten me right back out the door where I was. So I had to get out of my own way and follow a more positive approach to what it was that I wanted to do or what I thought I might want to do. And that's why I had to follow the people that that laid the path in front of me. And it doesn't necessarily mean that I didn't have my own will and my own thought, but it meant that I understood that my reaction instead of action would get me in trouble. And that, I think that understanding is, is where you start to get better. Or, uh, yeah, well, I don't it, know. It takes a while, understanding but, yeah. and, again, the willingness to at least try. Yeah. And it works. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah, it, it takes a while, but, um, yeah. You know, and that's and that's where gratitude comes in, and that's where all the other uh, all the other thing, things change. The lesses the lesses come off because I got home. You know, I, I found love in myself. Um, I wasn't helpless anymore. You know, so all of the lesses uh, came, and all of the fulls filled in. Hopeful, you know, um, and and loving. And, you know, so with, with time came the understanding of where I didn't really want to be. And, and I think, you know, it, it scares me when I hear of people who, who become volunteers and willfully give that back. You know, it's, 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 a, scary, it's a scary disease because it never goes away. It, it is a very like scary disease. Like I said, 20, 29 years clean. 
and you know, God forbid something happens, and you know, I you know, I have to take medication. And I don't know how to handle it. You know, fortunately enough, I haven't had to. Uh, you know, I haven't had any major surgeries. I haven't had any. Well, actually, I'm wrong. I, I got in an accident down in Argentina, and I refused the medication. And I had like four or five broken ribs. I had a big, big gash on my face, and uh, I refused the medication. And the doctors were calling me a monster because not normal people um, do that. And I was like, well, yeah, one, mostly people I'm in are a begging foreign. for the medication. Yeah, one. I'm in a foreign country, so I, you know, I have no, you know, all I could think of was was Jimi Hendrix in Germany dying because he took some medication that he didn't know what, you know, and it was ten times more lethal or more powerful than what he thought, and and now he was dead at 27, and I, I just, I they were getting high out on the street, like right out in front of everybody, and that and that, that terrified me, so I refused medication. I laid still, and I allowed myself to heal. Um, so I've never had to really engage in any type of pain management. So I, you know, I, I, and I really wouldn't, you know what I mean? Because that, that terrifies the heck out of me because being an addict, that's going to reactivate something because I've seen oh, yeah. it in other people. Immediately. Happen, you know? Yeah. And, you know, so, you know, knock on that, uh, you know, everything's going okay. And, you know, I'm grateful today that. Um, I'm healthy, and I have a positive outlook. I, I, I do know people that have had major surgeries and have made it through uh, with minimal medication. I mean, pain is definitely all in your mind. You know, uh, it is, a lot of it is physical, a lot of it's real, but a lot of it is driven by um, our, our value of medication. And right. that's scary when you think of it, you know? Well, I mean, what did people do before they discovered you know, the poppy, morphine, <laughs> all of that stuff. What, what did people do when they were <laughs> yeah. in pain? I think they just endured. Yeah, they drank whiskey. Um, and, uh, you know, but, I've, um, I've certainly yeah. refused medication. I will not take it just yeah. because I've seen what it can do. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and you never know. At your weakest, at your weakest point is when that is at its most, uh, you know, that's where you're at your most vulnerable carefully as well. You know? Exactly. It's just, it's very, it's very dangerous. Yeah. And, and, and particularly for, for someone who is recovering from addiction, particularly to that substance. I mean, that's how, you know, that's and, how we got in that mess in the first place. Everybody right, was but with that. that being said, with that being said, the majority of people who are active addicts today have been, have been, um, sit along their way by some kind of pain management um, process. You know, I didn't have a pain management process. I just, I just make it myself. I'm, I'm, I'm different than the individuals who are out there that, uh, you know, hurt their back and all of a sudden, they, you know, they, they turn around five, six, seven years later and they've lost everything and, and don't know where to turn. Um, but that is the majority addition today. It's not that people are willfully just throwing their lives away. They they're stuck in they're stuck in that rut of uh, pain management and and when looking at those people like they're the bad guys and they didn't do anything wrong they they fell down a hole and hurt themselves and that's it 
Yeah, and and the medical establishment and the pharmaceutical companies have kind of colluded together. Yeah. To keep people, and I, you know, maybe not purposely, but I know the pharmaceutical companies set out to make a lot of money, which they did by making mm-hmm. pain management into or making pain the fifth vital sign. You know, what's your pain level on a scale of one to ten? Oh, those little smiley faces, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, it's it's a very subjective because you ask the patient, and depending on the person, you know, what might be a two for me would be an eight for somebody else. It just and, and they're still feeling the two. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, some people feel pain. I think more strongly than others. I have a high pain tolerance, but yeah. some mm-hmm. people don't, and. That's where we've gotten into trouble. That and, you know, some a little bit of false advertising. A whole heck of a lot of false advertising. Yeah, yeah. but it's, yeah. you know, it's still going on today. We don't have the pill mills anymore, but, but it's still going on. People are still getting hooked because, you know, like you said, they, they get in an accident. They have a surgery. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I can remember... Uh, a guy that we knew who had terrible back problems, and, and he had gotten a miracle drug, mm-hmm. and it was OxyContin, and it suddenly there he didn't go. have back problems anymore, but he started having a lot of other problems, yeah, you know, right. and he ended up losing really, everything. Yeah, yeah, the world falls apart, you know, and you look back, and it's like, how, how did I even get here? Because you're walking around in the fog for seven years. Yeah. Well, I you mean, know? he lost his wife, he lost his business, he lost his mm-hmm. home, he lost everything, because... The fog took him over. Right. You know, you need more and more well, of it, I guess. No, exactly. Well, let's just uh, let's just ponder that over the break. Dial 866-472-5792. That's 866-472-5792. We'll be back in a moment. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Sometimes it just seems that nobody understands. There's one individual who can help. If you're living with somebody who faces challenges such as autism, Asperger's, or other exceptional needs, you'll want to tune into Solutions and Strategies with Dr. Sean. Living the Challenge. Together, we'll uncover a variety of solutions to the challenges faced by individuals, their families, and teachers. Listen live every Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific, 11 a.m. Eastern on Voice America Health & Wellness. Explore the power of natural healing with Howard Strauss. Join us each week for an informative program that will help you learn effective healing methods using natural remedies. Howard's guests include top researchers, authors, and experts who will share their views on a variety of natural products and healing methods that really work. Tune in to The Power of Natural Healing with Howard Strauss, Mondays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health & Wellness Channel. Is your health where you think it should be? If you're like most people, the answer is probably not. 
Where can you get the answers you need to get on the right track? The answers start on Occupy Health. Each week, host Dr. Susan Downs and her guest experts will answer your questions as well as prepare you for questions you'll want to ask your health provider. You'll want to plan for your optimal health with Occupy Health. Listen Fridays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Health & Wellness. Frankly Speaking About Cancer is a program designed to empower survivors and their caregivers to deal with the social and emotional challenges of cancer. The show will invite physicians, researchers, nurses, social workers, patients, and caregivers to share their advice on how to live a better life with cancer. Join host Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community, Tuesday afternoons at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health and Wellness. You are listening to Miracles in Recovery. To reach the program today, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to ray at miraclesinrecovery.org. Now, back to this week's show. Hey, welcome back. We are in the last segment of today's show. We have talked, of course, we've gone, I don't want to say nowhere, we've gotten somewhere, but we always come back to the monetary burdens of addiction. And, you know, if if I could, you know, shake a little wand and, and you know, make everything free and make everything available as soon that, that now that's that's the tough thing because as soon as an addict says i need help is when the van should be right at their door for immediately hey i need help exactly. ding, ding. you know in a perfect society that's that's what would happen you know um like what was that with the uh, when we were kids it was the flintstones and it was uh smokers anonymous or something like that and every time fred grabbed the cigarette there was somebody in his window you know, if <laughs> if in fact if in fact an addict said I need help and within within a good say hour is it safe hour two hours um, that we got him or her going to a towards a positive approach, then we would probably be more successful and we would probably save more people. When an addict calls and says, I need help, they call an 800 number, and the 800 number on the other end says, oh, yeah, we're here to help you. And but what do you do for insurance? Well, I don't have insurance. Oh, so, yeah, well, then call this number. It's like a dead lion. You know, right, so. Exactly. Yeah. Um, or what you know, kind of insurance do you have? Because a lot of them don't cover very much. Yeah. And you know, we have yeah. a lot of complicated insurance plans out there right now. And, and, and also. I mean, even in even in our state, there there are a lot of insurance companies that pull that have pulled out of. Oh yeah, yeah, like because of the, and, all the scamming yeah. that's going on. Yeah, so they so they won't even help you. So like, I, I mean, I get that because of scamming, but like the the individual like we were talking about that's that gets stuck on some pain management can't get out has their insurance it lives in Florida wants to go to the local place they can't go you know so and, uh, so what one we do, of the things that's different now from you know when when we were younger is that there used to be state hospitals and that's mm-hmm. where anybody could go 
and we don't have those anymore. I so you, when the government nice. pulled out, they they really mm-hmm. left a giant hole. Yeah, well, I you know I think a lot of states still do. I Massachusetts does, but um, you know I I, I I I actually know that New York and New Jersey do too. I don't know about well. I, know, I mean, every anywhere. state has something, but it's it's not like it used to be. You know, there were these huge complexes all over. You know, I'm from North Carolina. There were huge complexes all over the state. I think there's only one left now. Yeah, and it, yeah you know, yeah. it's hard to yeah. get in because. Yeah, I guess it was back in the '80s when they yeah. they basically and, and, turned all of that off. And now they and now they use them for like uh, Toxic Avenger movie sites and stuff like that. That's about all they use them for, because that's that's really all that they're they're you know when they were operational, everybody anybody they would do they were like will taking people like come on in and you can even stay addicted. Come on in. We want to do studies on you and find out right. what this is all about. You know, push a button and we will give you X. So I'll push a button and we'll give you Y. And they did a lot of studies, but necessarily, I don't think those studies translated into any type of help because the people who um, found out how to go about monetizing it um, took over, and and the, and the state hospital went by the wayside because they were getting bum rushed by everybody who didn't have any money and they couldn't handle it. Right, and and now they're basically very short term, and a lot of times that you know it's people who are arrested, and you mm-hmm. know then they can't handle them at the jail. Yeah, because there's and, no beds, and that's yeah. that's the unfortunate situation that we find ourselves in. I can remember, and this is. Many, many years ago, I did an internship at one of the state hospitals in North Carolina, and I watched an intake on an alcoholic. You know, this mm-hmm. poor guy came in, and he was really sick, and all he wanted to do was get in there and get better. Mm-hmm. And I, I remember, you know, I was a young kid, and I remember sitting there thinking judgmentally, you know, why is he here? And now I think how fortunate for him that he had a place he could go. Yes. He looks like he's yeah. pretty much on his last legs. Yeah. I mean, uh, and we you know, don't have uh, too many places like that anymore where you can just go and get help. Right. And ju- and just think how many people, how many people a day are turned away because of funding, like because of insurance, because of not having the monetary um, gain to be able to get into a facility and and that's what's sad I mean we have there there are other countries third world countries that take that take care of their you know addict population that much better than we do you know oh, and, yeah. and we're pretty much shunned here you know if you go to another country you know and you see how they treat uh, their elderly you see how they treat you know their their medically needy um, we, 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 we pale in comparison to some countries, and, and, and we're the greatest nation in the world. Yeah, I think we pale in comparison to a lot of countries. And then if you look at the fallout on the family, you know, I've, I've been kind mm-hmm. of looking through some of the feed from my mom groups, and a lot of these moms have PTSD. Their children have overdosed multiple times. Right. You know, too many to count sometimes. Mm-hmm. You know, how do you deal with that? You know, how how are we as a society holding each other up when somebody is going through something like? 
and, and and how do you how do you get somebody out of that? How do you how do you restore the the life value to that situation? Ultimately, if the child ODs for the ninety seventh time and dies, or um, ultimately starts getting clean, how do you restore that life value? That's tough. That's a tough. It's a real tough end to crack right there. It, it really is. Uh, there's you know there's a lot of work that needs to be done, not just by the addict, but by their entire family, because, you know, when yeah. the addict gets sick, family gets sick. And, right, and there's know, absolutely think, no money for the family, you know, because because the addict's burned all the way through it, so there's no money for counseling or anything else like that for the family once the addict, you know, throws his hands up in surrender, they're burnt out, they're burnt, everything is gone, you know, they may only have the shell of the house that they live in, and now how do we start to repair them? That's that right there is where we as Americans should say this isn't right. This is absolutely not right. Yeah, because the destruction is is so widespread. You know, it doesn't just it's not just one person. I think I've I read somewhere that every addict affects at least five people. You know, whoever loves this person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Anybody who loves this person and, is going to be terribly hurt by by the whole situation because, you know, as, as a mother, you know, as a parent, I'm helpless. And that is not right. a good feeling. This is a child that I took care of, and, you know, I could always fix things, and I can't fix this. And that's a very you know, I can go, difficult I can, I can go even I can go even one further with that, you know, each addict affects five people. I can say that my addiction affected five neighbors Okay, not only the not only the, the, the people that were existing in my house, but five neighbors as well. So the individual that was living next to me was affecting five neighbors and and, and so on and so forth. That's where we stain and destroy communities from, from addiction. And and that's why a lot of people have that moral that moral value of look at that scumbag up the street doing what he's doing because of right. the effect yeah, of of years past and, and things that have happened. Um, well, because so, of the disease that makes you act terrible. You know, and I, I think for me, when I started to repair my family, I don't necess- I wasn't necessarily worried about what the neighbors thought. I wasn't necessarily worried about what the community thought. Either they'll catch on, or they will ultimately. Um, focus on someone else. So, uh, you know, I think for me, once I started doing what I was doing, a lot of people said to me, well, why is it that you can get it and my son or my daughter can't? And I, I didn't have an answer. It was just it was just my time. I didn't have an answer to say, well, because I'm one of the fortunate ones. No, I wasn't one of the fortunate ones. I, I was just lucky enough to be able to get out of my own way um, at that point in time. So, Ellen, you're back, right? Yeah, I'm here. Oh, okay. okay. I Can heard you, you okay? say half a sentence. Yeah, I heard you say half a sentence and you were gone. That's, that's okay. I don't know what happened. I mean, modern, <laughs> we're having modern, modern technology. We're, 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 we're dealing with modern technology and today's just not our day, I guess. So, all good. Uh, we only have a couple of minutes left, so um, I, I was saying while you were gone about uh, affecting the community, 
I couldn't really worry about the community. I had to focus on fixing me first, my family second, and if the community understood and saw what I was doing, they would back me as well. And ultimately, some of them did. A lot of them didn't. A lot of them either probably thought I, I, I have died or um, are waiting for me to still screw up. There's somebody out there sitting there saying, you know, he'll be back. He'll be back. It's been 29 years. What is that individual <laughs> going to get out of their own way? way? He's, he's okay. Yeah. Yeah. He's still waiting 29 years. I mean, what have you done with your life for 29 years? Get out of your own way. Start now. And that's, that's you know? the perfect thing to say. That's the perfect mm-hmm. thing to say. Right. Start now. Today, today's a new day. Tonight's a new night. This minute is a new minute. You know, if you're, if you're sick, if you're suffering, if you're confused, call in. You don't necessarily have to. Don't call in now. You can call 855-STOP-USING. That's 855-STOP-USING. That goes to my cell phone because we only have one minute left. If you call in, we'll, we'll miss your call. Um, but um, thank you for listening tonight. Ellen, thanks for calling in. It's always better when you're in the studio, but I know something came up and you you had to take care of that. So with that, Helen, do you have anything you want to say before we leave? I would just say to the families out there, um, I understand there are a lot of us that do. Keep hanging in there. There's always hope. And with Miracles in Recovery? Hope is in your corner. Good night, everyone. Thank you for joining us this week for Miracles in Recovery. Be sure to listen again for another edition with your host, Ray Lynch, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel next Monday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time and 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Have a great week. Hope is in your corner.